welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about a career in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we're joined by Philip Wiley, Director of Services and Training at Scythe, and the host of a very popular The Philip Wiley Show. Very excited to have Philip on. How are you today? Good. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. So uh, we were just joking in our preparation because uh, I had the pleasure of being on Philip's show about a month ago. So uh, it was a little bit of deja vu with our producer and Philip and I. So we had a little laugh to start with, but super excited to have you on as a guest. Some of our listeners may be very familiar with a lot of your content because you're definitely prolific out there. So maybe we could just kind of jump into it. You know, you do have an extensive career in cybersecurity and also a creator of a lot of great content. Can you tell a little listeners about, you know, how you got into the uh, industry and a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Yeah, how I got into cybersecurity was through sysadmin. I was a sysadmin. And so I got started as a sysadmin back in 97. And back then, most companies didn't have their own security groups. You know, usually it's the network team that was handling firewall rules or really wasn't a dedicated team. Really back then, about the only place you really saw that was like in the government. So about after six years into my my career as an, a sysadmin, I found out about cybersecurity or back then information security is what they, they called it. So in 2004, for January 2004, I moved over to security at a company I worked at. We were doing network security, some uh, risk assessments, and some vulnerability scans. Then the company hired a new CISO in, and he had a more modern idea of the way security teams should be set up. So I got moved on to the AppSec team. And so through application security is where I found out about pen testing because I managed our, our third-party pen tests as well as did some web app vulnerability scanning. So in 2012, when I got laid off, I went to work for Verizon as a consultant, and that kind of started my pen testing career. So I spent five years in consulting, then did some internal pen testing and red teaming for companies. And so that's kind of how I got started. And the podcasting thing came about actually from my time as a bug crowd ambassador. I did a webinar series for them called The Day in the Life of a Pen Tester. It was like a five-part series. And that kind of got me interested in the content creation stuff. And then I did a my fir- first podcast with Alyssa Miller and Chloe Mistoggy called The Uncommon Journey. We did that back in 2020. We did that for about a year. It got difficult to schedule podcasts around three busy schedules plus the guests. So ITSP Magazine asked us if we wanted to do our own podcast. And I started The Hacker Factory and then recently went independent with The Philip Wiley Show. Well, that's fantastic. So for all of our listeners, uh, a lot of great content on the Philip Wiley Show. So please check out that podcast for sure. So I I think a lot of times when we interview CISOs, uh, they come from very different backgrounds. And when we interview people in cybersecurity industry, they talk about how they do a lot of non-technical things, but it's still an important part of cybersecurity. But I think it's interesting because you are what everybody thinks cybersecurity is, right? The pen tester, the, the person that's actually doing the testing of, of websites. So I think that's great for our listeners that want to be exposed to the more technical aspect of it. And 
you literally wrote a book about starting your career as a pen tester. You're, you're the co-author of a book called The Pen Tester's Blueprint, Starting a Career as an Ethical Hacker. Can you share kind of two or three pieces of advice about those that, that want to become pen testers? Sure. And, and a little detail in that book, that came from my class lectures. I taught at Dallas College for almost four years. And my first day of class lecture that I did each, sem- each semester, I used that presentation that became a conference talk and became a book. But some of the biggest things I can, biggest recommendations I can share with listeners, the biggest thing is networking. Make sure you're networking with people. And this goes beyond LinkedIn. This is also like in-person events, different conferences, different cybersecurity groups. There's so many different groups you can choose from. Although, you know, your hacker associations and in, in, uh, DEF CON groups and OWASP groups are really fun, but I think you really need to make sure to focus on like your ISSA groups and ASACA groups because these are going to be your hiring managers. These are going to be people with hiring capabilities. And so you'd want to make sure you diversify your networking abilities. And as far as conferences go, if you're just starting out, don't have the budget for some of the more expensive conferences, look for the B-Sides conferences. The security B-Sides conferences are free to low cost. And basically they they charge anything just to cover the cost of the conference. They're very inexpensive, a good way to network. And it's a really good place for people trying to break into the industry. Can you explain a little bit more about kind of what they are? Because I think it's a great venue, exactly as you're saying, for those looking to break in. So maybe you can expand a little bit more what, what they are, how they started, and how one finds where they are in their local community. How they got started was back during DEF CON one year, some people that this talks didn't get selected. And that's where it came from B-Sides, you know, like B-Sides, the songs on a record that are the B-Sides are the less popular songs, but still good songs. So they kind of got together at a house or somewhere got together and and people gave these talks that were were not accepted to DEFCON and it kind of got started. It's a nonprofit organization. Whereas some of these other, you know, like your DEFCONs, they're for profit. So they're not nonprofit. But with the nonprofit, I see they're giving more opportunities for people to kind of break into speaking. They're really more open and accepting to new people and students. You'll see some of these conferences that won't allow students that are more commercial. They won't even allow students, which I really think is a bad thing because you're giving them an opportunity to network. So, Especially in an industry where we're trying to fill 1.3 million positions on a worldwide basis. Why are we setting up more more ways to exclude people? <laughs> and it's a really good place for people listening that are you know, hiring managers, you're looking for people. These are good places to find find people. Uh, and that's one of the biggest advantages. You're running a booth at one of these conferences. The biggest advantage is going to be for you is recruiting. You're not so much going to be selling product because it's using up the CISOs and managers of these conferences, although there are some that participate and speak. But it's a really good place to network and recruit talent. And you can look up, if you just Google security B-sides, you'll find the different conferences. They're all over the globe. India, the UK, all they started here in the US. How often do they do regional, like cit- citywide events? So if you're in Austin, would it be uh, once a quarter, once a year type of thing? Once a year. Yeah, they're, they're annual. So it's a good place. And like it's a good place to network. Most of the conferences are one. I've seen some up to like two or three days, but it's a re- really good place to connect with people and a good place to learn too. 
we've talked about this before, but I think you really gave some uh, some good advice around the B-sides because it is the type of event that is uh, more open to people being new. And I think that we've heard this frequently in terms of guidance is uh, the more you get to know people in the industry, especially hiring managers, the more likely you are to differentiate yourself because a lot of times, what are we seeing, right? We're telling everybody to get into cybersecurity. And then when they go to apply for a job, like we published an open position and we got 4,000 applicants. So bigger companies are getting even more. So it is the ability to differentiate yourself, but also learn about what you like. Like, hey, if you're lucky enough to meet somebody like yourself, like you can talk more in depth about what it means to be a pen tester. And hey, is that something I'm really going to geek out about? Or is it like, no, I'd rather do identity and access management, or I'd rather do compliance or like, you know, learning at these events where you can have a conversation and then follow up with some people to learn about it. I think that's really critical in, in one's career development, especially, I mean, I think all on the way, but especially as you get started. And one of the things I'd advise too is check out, even if pen testing sounds really interesting to you and it's something you want to do, you may find something else that will end up being your passion. I had a former coworker when I was at US Bank. He was in IT when he started with US Bank. He was taking courses. He was wanting to go into digital forensics. He was taking SANS courses towards that. And so then he kind of decided, maybe I should take a pen testing course to be better at digital forensics. He took the pen testing course, fell in love with it, and now he's been pen testing for six or seven years now. So you really need to check out all your options. You, The thing you're really passionate about and would really love doing, you won't know that unless you get the exposure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last thing on the B-sides for our, our heavy introverts here, how should they approach this show and and how can you kind of help them to understand this is a safe space to kind of get out of our comfort zone, us, us that are introverts? Yeah. One of the things I'd say is, is B-sides is probably the more welcoming to in a safe space for introverts. They're just really super in tune with, with not to say introvert, introvert, all introverts have mental health problems, but some of the, the mental health issues that we all deal with, a lot of times they have mental health villages at some of these B-sides events. People are in tune with all the, you know, the introverted people. And also B-sides provide some hands-on type of activities as well as CTFs. And CTFs is really a good place for introverts. You're working on these activities. You're not constantly talking, but there is some interaction. And, you know, some folks that they get into the CTS just being in a room and just kind of collaborating, working with others. But it's really less intimidating environment than some of these other conferences. You know, you get some of the more commercialized big conferences. They're just not is in touch with that. So people are kind of really aware, aware of that. So it's, it's a really good one to get into. And also I'd advise people to try being a volunteer because if you really want to get plugged into a community quickly, just being a volunteer through one season of a B-Sides conference, the people in that area, you'll get to know pretty well. And back to the trying to get jobs, if people know you, know what you're doing, you know, they'll recommend you. I used to have people come to me while I was teaching at the college looking for entry-level pen testers, but I knew people from the community and knew their interest. And so whenever people were looking for pen testers, I would throw their hat in the ring and recommend them as well. And, and so another example too, and this was like from a meetup, we had one of our DEF CON group meetings that a young college graduate was doing a presentation on malware. 
And a hiring manager for Citibank was in the audience, saw that, asked for his resume, and he ended up getting a job. Well, I really appreciate you going into some depth about the B-sides because we've talked about them in the past. But I sometimes think that, especially for people early in their careers who either have never been to a conference or or have been to one and got really intimidated pretty quickly, I think that the B-sides have been really built in, in in the idea of taking people who maybe wouldn't be comfortable walking into a room full of 100 people or 1,000 people and just trying to shake hands with people. It, it really is that environment is set up to be more welcoming and to facilitate different types of communication to get people comfortable. So please, please, if you're, if you're getting, getting started and you're struggling, check out where your local B-sides are. They're all across the country, all around the world. So check out one of those events, and I think you'll find it as a game changer and a, and a starter. And I love that additional idea of reach out and volunteer as a way to, to get yourself uh, entered into this community. So last question, uh, can you talk about collegiate cyber defense competitions and how and why looking to kickstart your cybersecurity can be a great way to take advantage of these? Those are really great opportunities. And, and some of the things for those that have never done those is kind of a red team, blue team exercise is an attack and defend. So you're trying to attack the other person, get a foothold in their environment, and you're trying to block them as they try to access your environment. So it's a really good real world type of scenario, which, you know, there's no active defending when it comes to some of the CTFs, it's all basically attack. So in this scenario, you're actually defending. And it's kind of interesting. They do the same things in the financial industries with banks. They have one of these, the the CDX that they call it, they host each year and people from all the major banks in the US and financial industry get together to do a, a similar exercise. Another positive thing to the CCDC competitions is Companies that are hiring get a list of how people fared in the competition. So there are good opportunities to possibly get a job because how you performed during these CCDC events, because sometimes the big thing that holds people back from getting jobs is not having the experience. And anytime you get opportunities like this, another good opportunity too is National Cyber League. And this is something if your college isn't participating in CCDC, you can sign up on your own. It's not a team competition until you get to the finals, then they have teams. And so I believe this is not only open to college and universities, I believe high schools as well. And they do have like a rankings list and people get jobs from that ranking list. And the nice thing about that is you get to kind of participate as individual contributors. So that way people can kind of see what you did on your own. So that's another good opportunity. And those run like in the spring and in the fall during the aligned with the semesters of a school year. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think collegiate cyber defense competition sounds like a great opportunity for those that are in college. See if your college is doing it. And if they're not, then we have some other avenues to try to get you exposed to it. But sounds like some real world hands-on experiences to things you're going to get to get exposed to, but equally then get some ranking on how you did and use that as uh, additional information to be added to your resume. And thank you, uh, Philip. I knew you'd be a great guest, and you definitely were. So thank you very much for your time. As a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreatX Academy, by using the promo code PODCAST. 
ThreatX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. You can learn more by going to academy.threatx.com. Also, check out our recent episode with Dane Jones, CISO at High Radius. Dane has a great mix of experience in working for large companies like Lowe's, as well as his current role at High Radius. And I think people will find that really interesting. And lastly, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website at threadx.com. Philip, thank you again for being an awesome guest and a friend of ThreadX. We appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck with your book. Thanks, and thanks for inviting me. 